Happy 2020, everyone. So it's January. The weather is great out here in Dubai. And I was thinking, how about we go outdoors instead of being cooped up in the studio? Today, we're taking you to a farm in the middle of the desert. And a farmer's market in the middle of the city. From Ameya Media, this is Karama Sutra, chronicles from communities we've grown up with. I'm Vanita Bharadwaj. And I'm Chirag Desai. This is obviously my kind of messed up perspective, but it feels like this is a farmer's market from Brooklyn or from L.A. We're starting off at a farmer's market in Dubai, and that was Sundar, who's recently relocated to Dubai from Manhattan. I some basil plants, and then like, Gayatri was like, oh, she's got this plant guy that does all her plants, so like, I should just... I'm, I'm going down the bougie path of I'm going to have a guy. To look after a plant. What's the point? I, don't I feel like, isn't that the life here? No. Don't you outsource everything here? No. Yes. No, some of us actually do stuff. My son waters a plant every day. Well, I, I, could, say, I could always produce a son. There's always that option. This farmer's market is almost 10 years old, and it sets up during the UAE's growing season, which is typically between October and May. It debuted across the artificial lake at the base of Burj Khalifa, the world's tallest tower. An interesting juxtaposition, if you will, of agriculture, one of humankind's oldest professions, with architecture, represented by one of the modern era's grandest skyscrapers. Now, Sundar's perception that everything is outsourced isn't entirely without merit. So during the 80s and 90s, as the expat population of the Emirates grew, the demand for produce from their home countries grew as well. You know, I remember everyone would flock to the vegetable market in Abu Dhabi every Wednesday because that was the day of fresh shipment from India arrived. I want to say that it was probably around 2008 that we started seeing more UAE origin produce show up in the supermarkets. And with the UAE being fairly centrally located and starting to become a logistics hub for the region, it's absolutely possible to fly fresh produce from nearly anywhere in the world. But of course, then, when there's a crisis in a country we import from, so say the Indian government bans or lowers the cap on onions leaving the country, we see an almost immediate effect out here. Now remember, it was also in 2008 that the world had already been alarmed by historical highs in global food prices. A report in 2010-2011 released by the UN's Food and Agriculture Organization further showed that food prices were surpassing those recent highs. So given all these factors, it should probably come as no surprise that the UAE started prioritizing food security. And we soon started hearing about investments in farms across Asia, Egypt, Romania, and even in the United States. But let's come back to the farmer's market, which is where we started. How did this particular market come to be? So for that, we have to connect to Portugal. Just a moment. Let me just make sure that Vicente gets his ass up here because we're waiting for a fridge engineer. You're waiting for a fridge engineer? Yes. You know, normal domestic bullshit. (laughs) So just in case anybody rings the bell and I am in mid-flow, he needs to be here. Okay. Right. Okie doke. We can begin. Yale Mejia, who's currently building a farm in Portugal, by the way, is credited with kicking off this farmer's market. She's dialing in today to tell us about how she decided to gather local organic farmers from across the Emirates for a public that didn't even know vegetables could grow in the desert. Yale arrived in Dubai in the winter of 2008 to set up Baker & Spice, a well-known London brand that took great pride in its menu being guided by the seasons, led by everything that was fresh, local, organic and homemade. Once we 
found them through word of mouth we found a few other people who were doing this type of work i.e small small holding small scale uh vegetable farming mm. and um i sort of realized that it was in our interest to keep these people going and they were desperate for a market they had nowhere to sell and of course uh, for completely egotistical uh, motives i.e we wanted produce uh, they had more than we could use at the time although that eventually changed mm. but um, what's the next best thing the next best thing is to have them sell to the wider public and of course you know once the wider public starts shopping uh, there's no stopping because you build up demand and uh, hopefully the farmers rise up to the occasion and actually um, plant more plant more varieties uh, become a lot more adventurous and this is basically what happened You'll recall Sundar felt that the market was similar to markets he's accustomed to in Brooklyn. He's not wrong in that this setup with its canopies and wooden crates may not trigger images of souks of the region. However, when it started, it was unique for the country as a true farmer's market that allowed buyers to shop directly from the growers. Souks originated where you were. They're not a Western invention. The market is of its place mm. and uh, the Middle East is where haggling was invented I would imagine. The other thing is everybody around the world now wants to eat the same things i.e. fresh vegetables. So of course it could be Brooklyn, it could be Paris, it could be Dubai, um, it could be Kathmandu you grow something and your job is to get it to your customers as soon as possible because a market is not a supermarket and stuff just will wilt if you don't get it into your own personal fridge as soon as possible and um, this business of a really fast transaction is very representative of any food market around the world. Hmm. This very short cycle between when the stuff was in the ground, when it's on a counter in a market, and then into your basket and off home. And it's in your interest to then cook it as soon as possible. This is what markets are all about. When a farmer came to you and said, I want to be a part of the market, which presumably many of them did, what was the criteria for you, the screening criteria? What was essential and non-negotiable? Well, non-negotiable was, first of all, that they farm as organically as possible. And I was not an innocent. So um, we had to go and check. Uh, we tried the produce in our kitchens first and um, made sure that there are no inherent issues. And uh, once that part of the process was finished, um, 
yes, absolutely. Welcome on board. The more, the merrier. And listen, I don't know where the market is at the moment, but I remember it as a really overflowing, colourful, wonderful quality of vegetables. The leaves were the greenest you'd ever seen. Uh, everything was crisp. Um, it was just fantastic. It still is. But now, I mean, I have to say that you and your big hat are greatly missed. <laughs> well, you'll be glad to know that my big hat is in full use as I walk around my farm. The market is a veritable multisensory experience. Depending on the week of the growing season, straws change colour, sometimes verdant with a carpet of the leafy greens, sometimes a vigorous red led by the tomatoes, and sometimes a rainbow feast with an abundance of aubergines, peppers, radishes and pumpkins. As habits form, the farmers observe their customers. Bonds are formed and vegetables that are associated with specific cuisines make guest appearances. Molochia, moringa, bok choy, and all types of gourds and greens, mustard, fenugreek, they all jostle for your attention. The uh, mustard greens? Oh my God, it's like the best thing. No, I know, but I don't know how to cook it. But so, uh, so you cook it exactly like you would do like a palak paneer? You know, like just, okay, take, take that, quickly steam it, like 20 seconds steam, and then stir fry it, you know, like mustard, mustard seeds, cumin seeds, ginger, onion, and then grind it in like, but if you're going to make paneer, do you make paneer? Oh yeah, you're vegan, never mind. You could actually make it, I'm, I, that would be interesting, a vegan, yeah, yeah, I know, but like, it's not the paneer, it's the water from the paneer, that, the, the whey water is amazing because it adds flavor to the saison. So it's creamy and spicy simultaneously. Yes, this will be happening as soon as I get my gas turned on. Hello, you. The sounds of the market would be incomplete without the sounds of families, farmers, and the bargaining. But the sweetest notes are really the ones exchanged between regular shoppers as they discover ingredients that are not part of their traditional diets and how to work with them. Hi, is this monk's grass? Nasturtium? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. What, what is but it? What is it? In English, what is it called? Hobeza. In Bilarabi? Bilarabi Hobeza. As of 2014, it was estimated that there were over 105,000 hectares of land under agriculture in the UAE. Most of the farms are in the Emirate of Abu Dhabi, which accounts for more than two thirds of the country's total agriculture area and also has a history of planting trees and cultivation. And we're actually going to visit one of these farms today, based in Elaine, nicknamed the Oasis of the UAE. Turn right onto Lane 2927, then your destination will be on the right. The farm we're visiting is owned by Amina Kuleb Altaneji. An engineer at heart, Amina's worked in the local power and water sector for over two decades. And over the last five years, she's thrown herself into agriculture research pursuing a PhD involving the study of water use in agriculture in the Emirate of Abu Dhabi. We, we, we raised in a country that uh, doesn't rely on farming, you know? especially in Abu Dhabi. Farmers has been introduced by His Highness Sheikh Zayed uh, when, um, like 50 years ago. 
and he tried to give a passion, to give them an incentive to love farming. And, you know, so that, that time, that during the last 60 or 50 years, people who has and given away like lands and all of this, you know, a lot of facilities, you know, now they, they love their farms. But how to have the right skills and the, the suitable and the right farming type and suitable for this environment, this has to be learned and, you know, you know by, by timing and by experiments, by also giving um, proof that this, this will work. Many Emirati farmers were encouraged by Sheikh Zayed bin Sultan al-Nahyan, the founding president of the UAE. Sheikh Zayed's curiosity led him to research that posited the Arabian Peninsula went through many cycles of being dry and being lush. To encourage farming, various loans and aids were introduced in the early 70s. By 2010, Abu Dhabi's Food Control Authority had ended various subsidies, including one that farmers previously received from the government for growing Rhodes grass, a water-intensive crop which is used as animal feed. And I also uh, have been a curious farm owner for the last 10 years. So I'm trying to experiment here a lot, you know, using my, my knowledge and expertise in water sector especially. I, I developed a passion towards uh, conserving our natural resources, especially, especially water, which I noticed a lot of misuse and overuse in almost all sectors. Uh, therefore, I decided really to uh, to put uh, to focus my time, especially in the last five years, uh, first in my uh, PhD uh, research, which is focusing on water use in agriculture in Abu Dhabi, and uh, the second thing is developing my farm as an integrated model. Amina's farm is currently a test bed for the aquaponics model of farming, where crops are grown in a nutrient-rich waterbed. She's also built her own fish farm whose wastewater provides these nutrients, and she's currently researching water consumption per crop as part of a paper she intends to publish next year. My father used to have a very big farm, but he was uh, given as a gift to him. Uh, it was in Adid, in Falaj al which they have the best water, the best quality of soil. It's part of al Fajera. He used to spend a lot of good time there with his friends and the family and raising uh, animals, but he never thought about generating any income. But, uh, as, a ch as children, we were not that much interested to go every weekend. He was forcing us to go, to go every weekend. We were really not fond of this, but we loved the pool, especially in, during summer, we loved the pool. He was growing everything, yani even uh, mangoes, uh, sugarcane. But when, uh, like, I think 20 years ago, the water became very, uh, yani, little and, you know, or the, the quality of water deteriorated. So people lose interest in spending more money to do this. Huge efforts continue to be made to preserve water resources, with a specific emphasis on promotion and installation of modern irrigation systems that are intended to replace the flood irrigation method that used to be popular in the early days. Science aside, though, there's a lot that goes into every harvest. Why that connection between the farm and your fridge has never been more important? And more dispatches from Portugal right after the break. Support for this episode of Karama Sutra comes from Frying Pan Adventures. So you've been listening to how important it is for us to connect with our food and the land and hearing Sundar talk about how he'd cook those beautiful mustard greens. Well, that's what makes Dubai so interesting as a city with its unique blend of culture and cuisine. And there is no better way to explore that than a tour with Frying Pan Adventures. Here's their chief executive muncher, Arva Ahmed. 
old Dubai is like this big old scratched up pot of foods, of, of restaurants, of cultures that are being preserved by the migrants who, who moved here and made it their home. So my sister Farida and I started these food tours, these three to four hour moving feasts through parts of town that, that hold nostalgia for us. Everything from our Middle Eastern food pilgrimage to biryani taste battles to meals where you ditch the cutlery, just roll up your sleeves and go all in. We're committed to all of those delicious experiences that we have just here in our backyard in Dubai. And I can tell you from experience, their tours are not just a great way to explore the city, but also meet new people over shared love for food. As a listener, you can use the code KARAMASUTRA, so that's K-A-R-A-M-A-S-U-T-R-A at checkout, and get 10% off on one of their upcoming tours. Visit fryingpanadventures.com to learn more, or find them on Instagram at fryingpanadventures. Our thanks to the Frying Pan Sisters for their support of this show and Maya Media. Welcome back. You're listening to Kurama Sutra, chronicles from communities we've grown up with. I'm Chirag Desai. And I'm Vanita Bhardwaj. Chirag and I are on location at Amina Altaneji's farm. It's 1.4 hectares in a little hamlet that is literally in the middle of an ocean of desert sands. Her conspicuous patch of green is where she farms tilapia fish, and it's also home to fowl, goats, sheep, and a couple of chatty turkeys, which she says she does not slaughter. Amina has been studying water consumption in farming in Abu Dhabi. She's published a paper on the topic, and for any water nerds out there, we've linked to it in the show notes. But what really interested us was her interviews with over 340 farmers in the Emirate as part of her research. Uh, there are uh, three types of farm, uh, farm owners. Uh, most, most of them are, uh, are, they are the owner, the basic owner, the original owner. Uh, the second, the few percentage inherited, few percentage. And um, the third one is uh, leased. Yani they, uh, they lease the farmland. From the owner. I think you're the first Emirati female farmer I've met. In Al Khatim, I think there are uh, maybe one very active fem- female farmer. Uh, I heard about her. Yani. She is doing, uh, she has also greenhouses and she is running her farm herself. Um, and uh, there are a number of farmers, uh, fa- women farmers in different uh, regions. From my survey, there's a 16%. Of all the farmers I interviewed, they are female. It's it's still a it's still a very male dominated profession, though, right? I mean, it's um. So, is there a lot of surprise when you tell people that you farm, or that what's the reaction when? Actually, yes, there are a lot of surprise surprise, and also they assume that I am just spending time. This is what they their assumption. Uh, my my family and my close friends, when they uh, came here first, they said to me, you are crazy. You are living in nowhere. You are exposing yourself to risk, you know, because here this is deserted area. You know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, they criticized me. But actually, uh, after some times of visits, they feel that this is the best place to live, you know. Uh, this is what I feel now, really. Uh, I moved here for uh, the last five years. And um, I told you about my father before, when he start, when I first uh, bought the farm, I started to work. Uh, actually, he uh, he loved it. Now he loved it. He he spent very good timing and time in this farm. You know. As she spoke to farmers of the region, 
Amina was able to understand the farming realities in Abu Dhabi. She discovered that commercial farms only make up a small part of the agriculture here. Uh, see, you would be surprised. 19% of the farmers that I interviewed, and there are uh, 344, by the way, um, they were uh, only commercial, 19%, one nine. The, uh, the remaining is only for family and ledger and, you know, personal use. And actually, uh, mostly, uh, the, including the, the, the family farms and ledger farms, uh, 98% of the farms cultivated by palm trees and by, uh, by I think, more than 70% of the land used by, uh, by palms. Palm, palm trees is, uh, is a heritage. There is a heritage connection to palm trees here. And actually, uh, most of the farmers, they, they want to have a lot of palm trees. But actually, I noticed that, you know, palm trees, not, they are not all the same. There are a lot of types of palm trees. We need to focus on the right one that's suitable for this country. Actually, there is an intention now of the government to focus on, instead of focusing on 100 types of palm trees, only small uh, number of palm trees that are really relevant and very suitable for the, for the country. As the desert responds to farming and agriculture, it truly takes a special spirit to connect with the land and derive utter joy from a tomato as much as it used to from a date. My farm may be around uh, 23 years before. Rashid Slayam al is one of the UAE's many farmers. He's a regular at the farmer's market in Dubai, manning his stall on a Friday morning, which is typically the first day of the weekend in the country. And uh, organic, uh, elephant ear, we have certificate, but before organic maybe before 15 years. Before here in the Emirates, no have any certificate, but uh, in the 2009, we have paper. So 23 years you've had the farm? Yeah. Was, did, your fa- did your father also uh, work in the farm? Yeah, 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 my family work. So did you help your father? And, uh, no, yeah, I am help all my family. Before I am uh, six, six years, I am working the farm. Also in the, my house, we have a farm. And I am go to school. I am work the farm. All uh, I am I am very happy. I see my farm or I see green uh, country. Not just only the vegetable. All. Rashid told us that in his many years as a farmer, he finds it a lot easier now to source seeds and more importantly exchange experiences with other farmers through platforms such as the market or cooperative societies. Education is very important and bringing the and breaking the gap between the farmers and the community, different type of يعني, nationality, not only local, because local obviously they know, yeah, most of this. But uh, believe me, sometimes but also especially young generation, they need to be educated. That's why one يعني, uh, also one thing that I have in mind to educate uh, people in school, students, you know, this will create the community to understand, you know. What's behind to produce this kilogram of cucumber, for example? The disconnect between food and the end consumer is most pronounced in urban centres, where legend has it that young children, when asked about where milk comes from or where carrots come from, are known to respond, the supermarket, instead of a farm, where nothing is easy. How do you uh, bring to life a soil that died because of man's actions? 
because of intervention, whether it's uh, physical or chemical or whatever, or technical or mechanical, but uh, everything around it is uh, blood, sweat and tears. Yes, and loads of mistakes. And we haven't managed to grow a decent looking carrot in a year and a half. And I'm still trying to crack this one. Now you might think, carrots, how easy would that be? But it's not true. Everything is difficult, especially if you're trying to do it the old fashioned way. Everything is difficult. The weather's difficult. The rain is difficult. Uh, the not raining is difficult. Everything is difficult because you're doing everything by hand. Everything, including clearing uh, brambles that have been around for 50 years and basically thought, they thought, the brambles, that it's theirs forever. And, uh, oh my God, what they can do is awe-inspiring. Anyway. I've got one last question, which is about Anastasia and the olive oil. Um, how did that happen? The story of how she came about was that she came to Dubai with her product and we bumped into each other at a teeny-weeny food show. We were exhibiting, she was exhibiting, and we got talking. And of course, the story of a woman doing it for herself, I'm a total sucker. We then proceeded to come to an agreement that she would supply all the business's needs for olive oil, and we use a lot. After a while, I basically told her that it would be a really grand idea if she could come and sell the same oil plus all the other products that we don't take because we made them ourselves um, in the market. All the added value products that she brought from the island. Mm. And that's basically what happens. And, you know, um, it's funny. She's a farmer. I don't know how she does it. I have 120 olive trees. I don't know how many thousands she has. And I know... I haven't been there yet, and I know it's on a slope. Oh, it's 1,200 olive trees, and they start from the sea level, and they go up to the mountain. So that helps us to produce three different types of extra virgin olive oil. One which is the early harvested, and it is harvested first week of October, and when the olives are still green. Oops, so, oops sorry. Oops, oops, just the, the lady forgot to, to pick them. Sorry. <laughs> it was another lady, that's why. Uh, so uh, the early harvest is from green olives. Um, and uh, when we harvest this one, we have an olive oil which is thick. We keep it unfiltered and it is very high in polyphenols, which uh, actually protects the cardiovascular system. But uh, this one, um, we need uh, 15 kilos of olives for one liter of olive oil. Anastasia Stavrianaki's son, who was an environmentalist living in one of the Northern Emirates, 
encouraged her to come out and explore Dubai as a potential market for their olive oil. Even though her son left a few years ago, she returns to the market every year, staying connected with the community she's now an integral part of. And that's really what a farmer's market is about, enabling connections that may not have happened on their own. Yes, you haven't tried that because I have just brought it. Would you like? It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's beautiful. That's because actually this one uh, is coming in February, but uh, for some of my customers, I brought it on plane just for the Christmas and New Year. Could I have one as well, please? This is for... She's, she's buying her own thing. Okay. I'm not with her. <laughs> yes. How much is it? We all cherish the gathering of people around tables, where food and conversations layer up to create memories and moments intended to last a lifetime. The gathering of people at a market that is dedicated to the people who grow our food needs to be equally cherished as it can have a profound social impact that can last generations. Thank you for listening to this episode of Karana Sutra from Ameya Media. We're hosted by me, Vinita Paradwaj, and produced by me and Shirag Desai, who also edits the show. With support from Abhishek Venkat Subramanian, Sokeina Kazmi, and Zainab Ujaini. Special thanks to Yael Mahir, Amina Altaneji, Rashid Slayam Alkatvi, and Anastasia Stavrianaki. For more information about the farmer's market, you can follow them on Instagram at farmersmarketme. And you can connect with us on Instagram at karama.sutra. So that's K-A-R-A-M-A dot S-U-T-R-A. And listen to all of our episodes for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and Gami or wherever you like to listen. Hey there, I'm Chirag. And I'm Heedal. And we are The Two Vegans, a podcast on the Amaya Media Network. If you're exploring Veganuary this month or want to know more about adopting a vegan lifestyle in our part of the world, Find us in your favorite podcast player now, and you can also follow us on Instagram at the.2.vegans.